Okay, well, let's open up our Bible tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. As this evening we look at what God has to say in His Word regarding an afterglow service. Um, it's kind of funny. I'll share with you guys this story. Um, but um, it was probably, I don't know, it could have been maybe eight months ago where we started having problems with our door. We started having problems with our, our, our doorknob. And it's kind of a big door and it's kind of a complicated doorknob. I tried taking it apart and, and uh, it, was, it was kind of weird. Couldn't do it, you know, to be honest with you. And so um, um, what had happened maybe for about maybe, I'm serious, man, six, eight months was that in order to get inside the house, um, you literally had to, <laughs> to put your shoulder to it. You got to, kind of had to break the door down every single time, you know. And um, I put it on my to-do list, you know, take care of the door. And uh, man, just so much time went by and um, got really convicted. And that, that's, a, that's a long time if you think about it. Um, thought, well, maybe I'll call a locksmith and, you know, just different things. In the meantime, everybody's shoulders all bruised up, you know, trying to get in every single time. And uh, basically, it was kind of like one of those things, I don't know if you guys ever have that. Maybe some of you guys who have your houses, there's things that you need to fix, a dripping faucet or whatever that uh, sometimes, uh, uh, to our shame, that we don't get around to. And so, anyways, um, finally, um, what I ended up doing is... uh, I ended up uh, spraying it with some WD-40. And uh, to my shame, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it fixed the door. It, it, it just, the oil made all the difference. And so now, you know, we go in and out and we have uh, fellowship and we have pastor, you know, and we're, our shoulders are all healing now. Um, no, basically what I'm trying to say is that the oil is what made the difference. And we went through so, uh, so long, so much of an extended period of time um, with something that was unnecessary. Kind of like, I guess you could say, you know, tragedy, unnecessary heartache, um, hardship, um, that really just the oil would fix. And... Um, and so it's kind of funny. Um, recently, we started having the same problem here at the church. You can talk to Joey and some of the other guys. Uh, we have some file cabinets, and it's, it just got so difficult to open. And so, you know, everybody's telling me, hey, we need to get a new lock. And, I'm, and so I'm looking at the lock, and I'm thinking, you know, um, how do you replace this thing? And I, I, and I couldn't really figure it out. And so that went on for probably about, um, I don't know, a month or so until... <laughs> Finally, the Lord kind of put two and two together. He said, Manny, you remember how the WD-40 fixed the lock over there? <laughs> the oil over there? I'm telling you, man, try it over here. And so today I brought some WD-40. I put some oil in there. And I'm telling you, man, it's as smooth as silk. <laughs> the oil changed everything. The oil made the difference. And um, it's kind of funny the way that the Lord communicates to me. So first, he says, take care of your family. And then, and then you take care of the ministry. And you know, Zechariah chapter 4, the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And I think that a lot of times in our life, you know, maybe you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, man, that's got to be where it starts. That first thing you have to do is you've got to know how much God loves you. 
And you've got to know that when you ask God into your life, that he washes away your sins. He takes you from that road that leads to hell. And today, if you want to, you can walk out of here free and forgiven. He'll give you a brand new start and he'll put you on the road to heaven. It begins with salvation. You've got to give your life to Christ. But then after that, there's this sanctification process. For those of you who are Christians and if you've ever gone through any struggles, I think you know what I'm talking about. That apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, um, there's no way that we're going to overcome. There's no way that we're really going to have that victory, that consistency, the joy, uh, the love, um, unconditional peace, all those things. And, and I think a lot of us here, if you were honest as Christians, you're, you're going through things that you don't have to go through. You know, your shoulder's getting all bruised up and you're getting beat up and it's messing up the whole house and there's the family and there's the ministry and really everything is not what it should be. And I'm telling you right now, I promise you, by the power of God's word, by the authority of God's word, that the key is the oil. It's that anointing. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that we need in our life. And, you know, we've been talking about this for the last, I don't know, it's been a couple of months now. And I don't know if it's necessarily anything new for, for me or for you. I'm not sure, you know, where you're at in your, you know, walk with the Lord and your studies of the Holy Spirit. But I do know that just after, after just thinking about this every week and constantly being reminded of, of him and, and just how I need to depend on him every day and every moment and, and just, you know, praying and praying and pleading and crying out to God and fasting and seeking him, I have noticed a, a change in my life, a change in my attitude, a, a change beginning there in the family, which I hope and pray is now spilling over into the ministry and, and today is our last study on the Holy Spirit. And so if you've been coming since the beginning, I, I wonder if there's any change in your life. I wonder if you've experienced a, a transformation of any type. I wonder if you've been walking in the power of Almighty God. Because that's what He wants. He wants to come and... You know, not only does he live in us, he wants to be upon us, he wants to change us, he wants to transform us. You know, we talked about so many things about listening to the Holy Spirit and being led by him and being filled by him and just all the different things. And, and in just understanding that relationship that we have with God and the access to the Holy Spirit, I, I know, you guys, I, I know that that's the key for our life. That's what changed Peter from a man who denied the Lord to a man who is bold enough to preach in life-dangerous situations. And thousands got saved. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the oil of the Lord. It's the water. It's the living water that will overflow from our life. You know, where you depend on Him, you guys, where you understand that He's the Holy Spirit, and you, what you do is you put off the old man, all those things, all those sins, all those attitudes, all the words that you used to let fly out of your mouth without checking with God to see whether or not, you know, they have his approval. You know, you stop doing stuff like that. You stop the sinning. You flee from those things and then you flee to the Lord. 
You know, I've been talking to a lot of couples lately who are going through a lot of problems lately, and I've just been trying to tell them the same thing over and over, and sometimes I'll be on the phone just talking to them and just saying, let's pray, you and you. You've got to pray. You've got to pray right now. You've got to call on the Lord. You've got to humble yourself and know that apart from His strength, you have no hope. And so... You know, today's our last study. Next week, we'll begin again in the book of Deuteronomy. But next week, after our study, we're going to take about a half hour and we're going to have what's called an afterglow. And we're going to talk tonight about an afterglow and and what that really is, you know. Because we're going to be praying that some of you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We'll be praying that some of you would be even given new gifts or discover your gifts, you know, of the Lord. How important this is. And tonight we're going to look at a biblical perspective as far as what, what an afterglow is. That way next week when you come, and we're going to have our study for about an hour. We'll go through Deuteronomy. We'll finish up about 8 o'clock. We'll let you guys do your thing, your fellowship for about a half an hour after that. And then we'll, we'll seek the Lord together in an afterglow as a congregation. I, I know not all of you can stay, but hopefully uh, most of you can stay, especially you leaders, you overseers. I pray that the Lord would just meet us here in that way. And and we're going to talk about the whole thing today. And we're going to base most of our study out of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, there's a good book if you ever have a chance to get it. I I got done reading through it the last couple of days. It's a real small book. It's called The Afterglow. It's by Harry Ganey, Henry, Henry Ganey. And uh, he's one of the guys that would lead afterglows over there in Costa Mesa. He's been doing it for like 25 years. He has seen the Lord move in amazing ways. And he's got some, a really, really good biblical perspective on it. But one of the things that he points out in the book is that um, they have a distinction between what's called a believer's meeting and an afterglow. A believer's meeting is a special meeting of the body of Christ in which the spoken gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as tongues and prophecy, words of knowledge and words of wisdom, are exercised in the meeting according to the scriptural guidelines outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. Let's just read that verse together, if you would. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 and, and Paul here, he's actually correcting them regarding the way they abuse the gifts. But I just want to, first of all, just note some of the things he mentions that took place during this service. Look what he says there in verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Here in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, the scriptures reveal services that the New Testament church was having where there were psalms, teachings, tongues, revelations, and interpretations going on within the service. You know, and and in most church services that we have, huh, you guys, we do have the psalms, huh? We do have the singing of the psalms, and we do have the teaching, the teaching of the word, But my question is, what about the tongues? And what about the revelations? And what about the interpretations that we read here in 1 Corinthians 14, 26? Well, what we find is that the addition of tongues and interpretation of tongues and revelations, they distinguish a believer's meeting and or afterglow from what we would consider to be a regular church service. 
And so this is kind of what I wanted to study this evening. Um, can anybody guess why we would call this a believer's meeting? Anybody just, just out of curiosity? You guys probably know, right? A believer's meeting is a, be- a meeting where only believers are encouraged to come. And the reason is because during that meeting, there, there might be the exercising of the gift of tongues. Now, the gift of tongues are not intended for the non-believer. They're intended for the believer. They're going to see, we're going to see their praises to God. And so that's why they call it a believer's meeting. Now, our Thursday study and our Sunday study, they're open to anybody, huh? And as a matter of fact, we encourage non-believers to come. Hopefully, you will invite people every once in a while to come to church service. And so a Thursday and a Sunday and our typical Bible studies, you know, we wouldn't have these things going on. But a believer's meeting, we would, and an afterglow as well. The reason they call it afterglow is a couple of uh, word, uh, opinions on that. Number one, it could be a shorter version of a believer's meeting. It's generally conducted after a church service, and so that's what we're going to do next week. They call it an afterglow, but that's probably not why it's called an afterglow. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, according to my sources, the, they say the real reason they call the afterglow the afterglow is uh, because of the reference to the revelation of God in the book of Exodus 33, 19 through 23. And what you find if you read that text over there is that um, Moses uh, wanted to see the Lord. He wanted more of the Lord. He said, God, I want more of you. And so God graciously gave Moses the desire of his heart. You see, Moses was thirsting for more of God. And maybe you're here tonight and hopefully you're here tonight. And like we read in Psalm 42, it says, As the deer longs for the water brooks, so longs my soul after you, O God. Maybe you want more. Maybe you're thirsting for more. Um, You know, that's where Moses was at. He said, God, I, I've seen the amazing things you've done in my life up to this point. And, you know, the things that Moses had already seen are probably more than any of us have ever seen. But he said, I want more. I want all of you. Lord, I want you to reveal yourself to me. And so you read the text right there. God actually gave him the desire of his heart. God said, you know what I'm going to do, Moses? I'm going to tuck you into the cleft of the rock. Because he couldn't show his face and his fullness to Moses lest he die. But he would come by him and he would show Moses, the Bible says, his back. Now, if you read that Hebrew word right there, it's kind of interesting. Because the word for back can literally be translated after effects or after glow. And that's what Moses saw when he was hungering and thirsting for more of the Lord. And God says, this is what I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you my afterglow. And so when I, when I, when I read about that, I, I get excited, you guys, because part of the reason is because I know that there are some here today that are struggling. I know that for a fact. I know that there are some people here today who you're not really walking the way that you should be walking. You know you could be walking. You're not walking properly. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to change your life. He wants to take your desire to do what's right. And he wants to infuse you with his power 
by showing you who he is and by you taking that step of faith and humbling yourself. You know, some of you here, you would never come forward. Why? Because you're ashamed. Well, I'm telling you right now, man, you've got to come forward. You've got to step up. You've got to take a step of faith and let the Holy Spirit transform your life. If you want all of God, eventually you're going to have to humble yourself. You know, that's what Moses saw. And in one sense, and definitely in that sense, Moses is a pioneer for us all. You know, we should have the same desire. God, I want to see you more intimately. I want all of you in my life. You know, and I know right now I can't see you in your fullness lest I die, but Lord, show me your afterglow like you did Moses. And Lord, the things that were going on in the Corinthian church, the gifts that were flowing there, even though they began to abuse it, God, Lord, let me see those things. Lord, let me do those things decently and in order. Question, do you know God's afterglow? I mean, if the the Lord was just to, you know, really have that conversation with you, or if you were just to really be honest with yourself, honest with Him, have you really been sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Do you know that when you're walking, that you're walking with His power? You know, do you have all that the Lord has to offer? That's our desire. You know, I don't know about you, but I want to know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Anybody else? I want to know the whole Bible, man. I want to know the full counsel of God. And I want to obey all of His commands. And I want a full reward in the end, the Bible says. Not for me, but for His glory. I want the whole Bible. I want the full reward. And I want the fullness of God in my life. And part of that includes here the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, if you would, go over to verse 40 of the same chapter. Paul here says, let all things be done decently and in order. And I love that scripture. I like kind of like the way that John Corson uh, looked at it. And he said, let all things be done. Not some things be done. If there was this type of service going on in Corinth, why isn't there this type of service going on in Almani? Now, I know we have our regular service, and if we want to, we continue with just the regular service, and we'll be fine. We probably will. We'll go to heaven when we die. But there's something that was going on in Corinth, this you know, service where these revelations and interpretations and tongues and teachings and psalms were all mixed together that we're missing out on, I think, a lot of times. And so, if there's something here, Lord, show it to us, and... We're not going to make the Holy Spirit come. We're not going to force Him, but we're going to wait on Him. We're going to believe in Him. and We're not going to quench Him. and We're not going to despise prophecies. Or we're going to say, Lord, we're here. If you'd be willing to come, Lord, just please come. He says right there, let all things be done. You know, and I love that scripture because I want all things to be done. I do want all that God has for me and for this congregation. I'm sure you do as well. You don't want him to hold back any good gift from us, gifts that would bring him glory, gifts that we might need to get, let's just say, to the next level, so to speak. I mean, I talked last week about the fact that we need to make sure we see the Holy Spirit, first of all, in a very practical way, in a very practical way, and that is he wants us to obey God. God. 
He's the Holy Spirit. He wants to take out the sin of our life. He wants us to walk in victory, a very practical way. But at the same time, there are things about him here that are mysterious. And we don't want to miss out on that as Christians. He says right there, let all things be done. But notice he also says there in verse 40, decently and in order. You know, nowadays and back then in the the church at Corinth, what's happening is they're taking the gifts and they're just so exciting and it's just so amazing. You know, when the Holy Spirit really begins to move, you know, and, and but what ended up happening was there was no order there in the church. There was no structure. Um, they were not doing it within the biblical parameters. You know, and we definitely, we desperately need the power and the presence, the grace and the gifts of the Spirit but they need to be exercised in a biblical fashion. And so as we go through uh, this week, and, and I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 14, and as we go through next week and, and today, we really want to have that heart, that balance. We know that the Corinthian church was a very gifted church. As a matter of fact, if you would go back to chapter 1, and Paul mentions this in the very beginning. He says there in verse 4 of chapter 1, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him. Notice, in all utterance and all knowledge. Now the word utterance, it's what the, the book talks about, the speaking gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I think that the Lord is already cultivating a, an ear to listen and hopefully you've had your quiet time and hopefully you're seeking the Lord in the word of God. You know, if you're here today and you don't have a devotional life, listen to what I'm saying. It's very important right now. Listen, you've got to have a quiet time with God. There's got to be a sanctified time where it's just you and him and you listen to him and you get on your face and you get in the word and you get on your knees and you listen to him and his word. And he speaks to you. But also what we do is we have a, a, an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the church in a, in a fresh way. Not that he's rewriting the Bible, but that there is a personal relationship that the living God will speak to you. And he'll speak to us as a congregation. And he'll warn people here specifically about maybe, you know, right now they're engaged in sexual sin. And God might say specifically, if you keep it up, you know, I'm going to give you a disease. I mean, you just name it, man. There's just so many things that God can say. God says, I see what's going on. Someone here, you know, is in this sin. They're, they're doing drugs. This one over here, um, you know, they've got a girlfriend on the side. I mean, you name it. God can pinpoint those things and God can speak to us. And that's what God will do as we listen to him. He says right here that you were enriched everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as a testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and in looking at that right there, I guess it is possible that a church can come short when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. But that wasn't the case for the believers in Corinth. We see here they were very enriched, that they were very gifted, 
but they did fall short in the way they exercised those gifts. And so Paul addresses that in the 14th chapter of the letter. The Corinthians were abusing the gifts, as many do today. And so what ends up happening? How many of you here have been to a church where they kind of went crazy and they kind of abused it? Just out of curiosity, how many of you here? Okay, the natural tendency is to do what? That I'm never going to do it again. You know, I'm just going to go and just we're going to be decently and in order. It's all decently and in order, but not all things are being done. It's just decently and in order. And that's not what God wants. God doesn't want us to throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? We shouldn't get rid of the gifts or minimize the manifestation of the Spirit simply because some have and still do abuse them. But rather, we should engage in orthodoxy and orthopraxy that is believing right and behaving in a biblical fashion. And so you're here today and you're probably saying, okay, Manny, what goes on in one of those services? And if those things are real, then why don't those types of things always go on in our services? And that's where some have made the mistake. They made the mistake that, well, it needs to be in every service. But see, that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, when you study the Bible... What you find to be the normal service is the simple teaching of the Word of God. This is what Jesus did. When you read the Gospels, He simply taught the Word of God. This is what Ezra did in the revival in the Old Testament. This is what Paul did in the school of Tyrannus, Acts chapter 19, simply teaching the Word of God. This is what Paul told Timothy to do in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the Word. And so the normal service is what? The Psalms and the teaching of the Word of God. That's what we do here at Calvary Chapel. You know, I love what we read in Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. It says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. How many of you here are teachers? Just out of curiosity, you teach the Word of God. Every parent should raise their hand right now. So many of you here are teachers. And Ezra gives us the pattern. First thing is what? To learn it. Second thing is what? To teach it. No, I'm just joking. It's not, huh? First thing is what? To learn it. Second thing is what? To live it. And then the third thing is to do it. That's what Ezra did. He prepared his heart to do that. And later on, we read in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 8, it says, So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And that's all we do. We teach the Word of God. I can't wait to get back in the book of Deuteronomy because, man, I just love teaching through the Bible. It's been so difficult for me Sundays and Thursdays, to be honest with you, teaching topically. I hate it. It's hard, man. But I have to do it because this is what God wants me to do. But, man, I can't wait to get back in Deuteronomy and to go through it. And it's going to be so cool just teaching the Bible, just going through the Bible. It's going to be a blessing. But what we do is we read it and then we give the sense, right? And so... You know, the emphasis there on the normal service is simply to teach the Bible. We see Jesus doing it. We see Ezra doing it, Paul, Timothy, all these guys. But when you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, there's definitely other things going on in the church. If you read chapter 14, and I encourage you to do that, You know, you see that there are multiple people speaking. There are multiple people speaking in tongues. There are multiple people prophesying within the service. And 
revelations and interpretations. And so one has to wonder what's going on there. Well, what we believe in Calvary Chapel is that that's a special type of service. Like I said earlier, some call it a believer's meeting. Others would call it an afterglow. We don't know for sure the name of the meeting, but we do know for sure that these were the things that were taking place there in Corinth. And although they won't replace our normal meetings, they probably should take place as God leads us here in Calvary Chapel. And so I thought it would be good for us to cover a few things today regarding this type of meeting. And then next week what we'll do is we'll take a step of faith after our normal service. We'll have our normal service from about 7 to 8. And then we'll have the afterglow from 8.30, probably till about 9.15. And so you're wondering, what's going to take place? Manny, are we going to run around? <laughs> Manny, are we going to be slain in the spirit? No. We're going to bark like dogs? No, we're not going to do weird stuff, okay? We're not, man. Like I said earlier, 1 Corinthians 14.26, it mentions a few things. Let's read it again. He says there in verse 26, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm? Okay, so a psalm. Psalms will be taking place. We will worship the Lord. And so I pray that you would come ready to worship. Secondly, he mentions that they have a teaching. And as we uh, seek the Lord in such a service like this, there'll be a teaching, maybe a couple of teachings, maybe even a few. We'll see as the Lord would lead us. Nothing long. They would be brief teachings from the Word of God. But then the third thing he mentions right here is he, he mentions that some have a tongue there in verse 26. And you're like, well, I have a tongue. Everybody has a tongue. No, I'm talking about the, the manifestation of tongues, you know, um, the gift of tongues. Um, if you have that gift, uh, I encourage you to come. Okay, tongues uh, primarily for me is a prayer language. It's kind of cool the way that one of the guys breaks it down. He says, that when you pray, um, you should pray in, in confession and then adoration and then intercession and then petition. And he says, and after you're done praying in your normal language or English language, this is what this guy says. Then he prays in tongues, just in case, you know, he forgot something. The Holy Spirit kind of will pray for him. And so, you know, we know that Paul prayed in uh, tongues. Uh, we know, I, I know I pray, some of you guys pray in tongues. But when you, when you do it within a service, it's going to be different because we're going to see that not only will we have tongues, but we're going to have to have the interpretation of tongues. We see that as we go through our study, we're going to see a couple of things today. And so number one, worship. Number two, teachings. Number three, tongues. And then number four, the interpretation of tongues. Look what he says there in verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. And so we mentioned the worship, the teachings, the tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and then possibly prophecies. You know, when an individual prophesies, what that is, that's speaking a message from God to the people. It's, it's, it's foretelling or foretelling 
God's word. That's what a prophet does. And so tongues, we're going to see they're a message to God, the praises of God to God. But prophecy is a message from God. And you might have a word of knowledge, which a lot of times is followed by a word of wisdom. Or you might have literally a prophecy that foretells the future. The Lord may impress upon you a scripture and heavy on your heart. And, and, and the Lord will, might want you to read that scripture. That's actually the exercising of prophecy as well. But when you do, if you say something weird, be ready, man, because we're going to judge. <laughs> you know, we're going to say, and you've you got you to maintain the order. Let the others judge. If someone says something that's off the wall right there and then, you know, we'll have to correct. You know, and it's important for us to have that biblical parameter. You know, I don't know how you guys are thinking about this right now. You're thinking, oh man, this is weird. Well, just to let you know, Calvary Chapel close to Mesa, they have afterglows, okay? So we're not weird. If you talk to Pastor Chuck, he'll be like, cool, right on, man. He'll be happy. You know, um, we have our main services where we're teaching the Word of God. But, you know, when it comes to these types of things, um, we obviously, I think in many cases, maybe, maybe I messed up. You know, maybe I dropped the ball. Or maybe it just wasn't God's time yet. Maybe now it's God's time. You know, and like I said earlier, we're not going to force it. You know, we'll come, we'll seek, we'll wait, we'll pray, we'll fast. And if the Lord moves in such a way, I, I, I think that would be awesome. If he doesn't, if we just end up praying for people and laying hands on some to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and to receive gifts and healings and things like that and just worship, I think that right there is still okay. But we just want to have an open heart. Lord, whatever you want to do, we're living in some wicked days. We're living in the, in the last of the last days. You know, and some say, well, the gifts aren't for today. They were for then. You know what? If ever there was a time that we needed the gifts, it'd be now, man. You know, the Bible never teaches that the gifts have ceased. It's amazing when you look at some people and they teach that. No, it's not true. The gifts are for today. The manifestation of the Spirit is for today. You know, I don't know if you're here today and you're saying, well, God doesn't do that anymore. Real quick, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and I'll give you two of the longest verses in the Bible. <laughs> it says in verse 19, 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the Spirit and do not despise prophecies. You know what? A lot of times it's your unbelief. It's your unbelief that quenches the Spirit. It's the doubt that we have. You've got to know that God is able to speak to us. And so don't despise prophecies. Don't look down on them. Don't think that, you know what, that's nothing, man. We shouldn't even do that. We should just be, you know, no. It says don't do that. You've got to test everything. But I know in my own life, and I think I've told you guys this before, that the Lord used a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge to really guide me and direct me at a critical time in my life in the ministry. It was a time when I was praying. I was praying this weird prayer. I never prayed it before and I've never prayed it since. But I remember I was praying. It was probably for about three straight weeks. The Holy Spirit had laid it on my heart to say, God, be all over me. God, I just want you to be all over me. And I prayed that for three straight weeks. 
And then one day I remember, after I got done teaching, I remember, man, a lady came up to me, a lady who was very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, a lady with tears in her eyes, a lady who had a life of godliness and obedience. And she told me, the Lord wants me to tell you that he was all over you today. And I said, well, where did that come from? And then she told me, and this is what he wants you to do now. And so with the confirmation of the word of knowledge, it was followed with a word of wisdom that, again, you don't take hook, line, and sinker, but you take it to the Lord and you begin to ask the Lord, Father, is this of you or, or is this not? But as he leads us and guides us in those ways, you see it's an amazing thing. And you see that in the book of Acts. You see the way that the Holy Spirit revealed to Agabus that there was going to be a famine over there. And so they began to get the, you know, the, the food ready and distributed to the people that were in Jerusalem. And that's what the Lord will do as we're open to him. Whatever you do, don't think that this is not for today. Whatever you do, don't think that this is not important. Whatever you do, don't quench the spirit and don't despise the prophecies. There's something going on there in Corinth. Yeah, yeah, they abuse the gifts, but it doesn't mean that we have to then not use them. We need the Holy Spirit. We need all that he has for us because we are living in some crazy times. You know, the last thing I'll mention that will take place when we're here is, is just a time of prayer. And we're just going to be praying and, uh, and seeking the Lord, uh, praying, like I said earlier, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying for the gifts and the manifestation of the Spirit. You know, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, I don't know about the gifts and stuff. Look back real quick at chapter 12. Look what he says in verse 31. But earnestly desire the best gifts. You know, it's okay to, to desire the, the best gifts. You know, it's okay to say, Lord, give me the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, the best gifts, we're going to see our gifts that bring edification to the church. But at the same time, the best gifts would be the gifts that would be necessary for you to fulfill your calling in life. And so it's kind of interesting that here in the middle of their walk, in the middle of their church life, that he's telling the Corinthians still to desire the best gifts. Of course, he goes on in chapter 13 to say, hey, but just remember, love is more important than that. <laughs> that the fruit of the Spirit is always more important than the gifts of the Spirit. But don't neglect or reject the gifts of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, my encouragement to you is to bear fruit a hundredfold and to desire for God's glory every single gift that would be available to you. And as you're depending upon Him, it's an amazing thing what the Lord does. And so we're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to see if the Lord would bring tongues or interpretations of tongues or prophecies and scriptures and, and just waiting on the Lord. Nothing weird. Don't worry, man. We'll, it'll be a nice, safe, hopefully spiritual environment. And we're just going to say, God... Um, you know, here, here we are, Lord, if you would come and, and meet us here. You know, I know God is sure to keep his word. And so we need to do our, our best to keep it too. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and warn, mourn and weep. 
Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Remember the promise the Lord gave to the children of Israel when they were in captivity, when they were in bondage? When things looked crazy, when things looked bleak, when they were weak, God said, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so that's what we want, you guys. You're like, hey, Manny, why are you doing this? Well, I don't know, man. The Lord has brought us here now. You know, I've never been here before. To be honest with you, I've done kind of a few things here and there. So I'm more scared than you are, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I know what God's Word teaches. I know the normal service. We have the teaching of the Word of God. And I'm going to share with you, the Lord has revealed to me that the main strength of this church is the teaching of the Word. We are a teaching church. That's who we are. I've found that to be true. That's who we are. But also, God wants us to exercise those gifts. Kind of like Paul. He told Timothy, hey man, don't stop doing the work of an evangelist. Even though Timothy may not have been the greatest evangelist, he said, you still got to do stuff like that. And for us, the same is true as well. We're teaching the word. We're giving the word out. I know God's just honored with that. But we will not neglect or reject the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he wants to be exercised here. And so, man, next week when you come, don't sin all day, okay? The whole sin, the whole, the whole day, do not sin, okay? <laughs> and you come, please, come with the heart of expectation. Come with holiness, you guys. Come with a longing for the Lord. And, and you watch. When God speaks to us like that in a fresh way, it's just so beautiful uh, what the Lord does. And He'll meet us right where we're at and God's going to blow us away. You know, real quick, um, look what it says right there in verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. He says, let all things be done for edification. See, I guess we're at that point now where God's going to build the body up like this. Building the body up. That's what I want. I want to see husbands change and loving their wives. I want to see wives being submissive, supportive, gentle, loving. We need to be the parents that have that authority over our children, you guys. You know, if you don't have authority over your children, how are you going to teach them? If you can't control your kids, how are you going to teach them? And if you don't teach them, how are you going to coach them? Because eventually the day comes when you're not out there controlling everything they're doing. You see, you have to establish that authority as a parent. They've got to do what you say. You, you don't, aren't supposed to do what they say. And then you have that authority and you teach them. Don't beat them up. Don't kill them or anything. But just ask God for wisdom and know that as a parent, you have the responsibility. And then you teach them the Word of God. You teach them about life. And then eventually the day comes where you're coaching them from the sidelines. And you wish you could go play the game for them, but you can't. But then eventually the day comes when they eventually become your friend. But you're not really their friend yet like that. You know what I mean? I mean, you know what I mean, right? Because some guys, well, I want to be their buddy now, you know? And, and you know what? You're their dad, man. You're their mom. You have that responsibility. I just want to see the Lord do a sweeping work. I want the oil in the door there at the home. <laughs> 
And then the oil there and the door there at the ministry, the family, the ministry, just things coming together and God does a great work. Edification, building us up. If you go back to verse 3, look what it says right there. It says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. You see, an edification is building up, right? Exhortation is stirring up and comfort of men is cheering up. And that's what we need. We need to be built up as a body. We need to be stirred up in the passion and the fire by the oil of the Holy Spirit. And we need to receive the comfort of God because I know for sure that you guys go through hard times and I know for sure that it's difficult and there's those days of of depression and just all the trials that are coming your way and God just wants to lift your countenance and God wants to give you that joy and God wants to bless you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, again, last week I mentioned to you that the Holy Spirit wants to be more practical than mystical. And I really believe that as we seek the fullness of the Spirit of God, He will take the Word of God and make us more and more into the people of God. But as we have that oil, uh, another thing that you'll see in the Bible is James chapter 5, that oil brings healing to your life. They, they thought that it had medicinal purposes. And I think that in the scriptures, what you'll find is that the Holy Spirit will be the one to heal you, to heal you of your past, to heal you of roots of bitterness, to heal you of things that are harboring within that you don't even realize it. Some of you do, some of you don't, but they're holding you back to a full bore run in this race that God has for you. And so I encourage you today to just really seek the Lord, man, practically The Holy Spirit, there's the core, right? Practically, obedience, obey the Lord, love the Lord. Practically, there's the core. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. He's wanting you to fall in love with him. Practically, there's the core. Mystically, though, there's more. There's more that God wants us to enter into. Practically, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and says, I don't want them to fall. I don't want them to fall. They need to stop the fall. But mystically, God says, I want them to have all, all that he is, that nothing would be missing in our life. And that's what we're going to see as we seek the Lord. That's my prayer, you guys, that God would make us whole, that God would make us healthy, that God would make us holy Christians. And Lord, we just come before you. We thank you so much for your word. I know there's a lot of hurting people here, Father God. I know there's a lot of people who unnecessarily are limping and bruised and battered and and beat up by the enemy, Father God. And my prayer for, for them, my prayer for myself, God, is that the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit would come into marriages, Lord would come into the lives of the parents that will be anointed to raise their children, giving them that wisdom that they need, Lord. My prayer, Father God, is that you would just allow us to walk in the fullness of who you are. Lord, we can't make it happen, but we do desire that by your grace that you would meet us here, Lord. 
And even tonight, Father God, I pray, because we don't know if we have tomorrow, Lord. No one has tomorrow guaranteed. That if there's anyone here tonight, Lord, who doesn't know you, who's not a Christian, that right now, Father, your Holy Spirit would speak to them. And right now, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. If there's anyone here who's backslidden, Lord, that tonight you would bring them back. If there's anyone here tonight who even longs for that baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that tonight, Lord God, you would just bless them and you'd speak to them and that you would fall on us tonight, Lord. And just in case, real quick, you guys, I, I just I feel the Lord leading me. Just in case you're here today and you're not a Christian, someone invited you, somehow you ended up here. If you want to receive the Lord tonight, right where you're at, would you just raise your hand? Right where you're at, man, we want to pray for you. We want you to know that when you die, you'll go to heaven, that God would forgive you of all your sins and he would take you off that road, that road of ruin that you're on. Maybe you're here today and you're backslidden and tonight you want to come back. Maybe you're here today and right where you're at, you're just, you find yourself struggling and you need more power. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says all you have to do is seek and ask and knock. And he'll give you the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyone here today, right where you're at, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you, man. Thank you, Lord, for those hands that have gone up. Thank you, Father. Anyone else? 